It seems like many Charlotte Mason home educators fall into one of two categories when we're talking about nature study. Some of them fall into the category of, I don't know how to do this, how do I do it? I don't know very much about nature myself. And some people might fall in the other category of, I love nature so much, it's such a passion, how do I not overwhelm my child? And some of us are kind of in the middle between the two. Well, today we want to talk about answers and ideas to help with all of that. And we, as always, we're going to Karen Smith, my go-to nature study person. If you haven't seen the previous episodes in this series, check the show notes for links to that, and let's get started. Welcome to the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast. I'm Sonia Schaefer. Today, we're doing another nature study Q&A, and joining me is Karen Smith. Thank you, Karen. We have quite some collection, let's say, of questions for today that we're going to just fire at you, and I'm sure you'll have some great ideas, so let me give you a taste of the questions we've received that we want you to address today. It's kind of like the questions are about knowing too much, knowing too little, and supporting a love of nature, basically help, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Here are the questions. How do we organize ourselves as moms to make sure nature study happens in our school weeks? How do we deal with the pressure to teach this subject well while knowing very little ourselves and trying to just keep up with daily life demands? Then another parent says, what's the balance between mother leading and teaching during nature study and allowing the child to discover on their own? And what are some great resources for supporting nature studies through the years? I have young children and would love for all of them to develop a love for learning about God's creation. I think that's the the motivation for a lot of moms with nature study, at least I hope so, that we want our children to love God's creation and really be interested in it. Yes. So where do we start? Scheduling, not knowing enough, knowing too much. Where, where do we start? <laughs> Let's start with scheduling. Okay, starting with scheduling. What's that look like? You should treat nature study like any of the other school subjects that you teach your children. So it's not just, uh, it might happen if I think of it yes. and get to it. put it on your schedule and stick to it. Yes, there will be times when you plan on going out and the weather is not cooperating. That's okay. Make sure you do it the next week. You know, it's not something to panic about. Oh, we didn't get nature study done this week. Just make sure you stick to your schedule as much as the weather will allow. But you wouldn't skip math because you don't know anything about it. That's true. That's true. You still do math. Yes, you find the resources to help you do it. Yes. Even if you can't teach, you know, if you don't know it very well yourself. Nature study is the same. If you are not already in the habit of doing it, then you need to make sure that it's on your schedule and you do it, just like you would any other school subject. So it's about Make being faithful, mm -hmm. being faithful to show up. And it's so mm -hmm. easy when you get to that point on your schedule, like you said, to make an excuse. Oh, and, we're done for the day. The kids are off running and playing, and yeah. I don't want to have them do one more thing. 
Yeah, and when or you it's say too much effort. Yes. <laughs> or um, when you said the weather is not cooperating, some of us have a very small window of what cooperative weather looks like. It's too hot. It's one it's, degree above what I like, yeah. or it's one degree below what I like, or it's kind of misty out. It might rain, and I might get caught in the rain. Go out in the rain. If it's not thundering and lightning, where it's dangerous to be out there, your children will love being out in that rain. As long as they're dressed appropriately, you know. That's the huge thing. Even if they're not. They can change into dry clothes when they come in. Rub them down, get them in a tub, you know. That's right. And, that, and that's an experience of nature for them. Yes, it is. Being that's in true. the rain. That's true. So you may look at it and go, ooh, rain. But your children haven't experienced being in rain yet. Give them that pleasant experience of being in the rain. Instead of rushing to get somewhere with yes. it raining on you. Yeah. All right, so what I'm hearing is in order to make it happen, just like any other school subject, it's all about being faithful. Yes, and if, if it doesn't work one particular time, that's all right, as long as you're faithful over the long haul. Yes, yes. All right, I like that. Okay, what do we want to talk about next? Resources to help the parent who doesn't know very much and is uncertain, or the parent who has a passion for this and just wants to make sure she's balancing leading well without overwhelming? Let's do the not being overwhelming. Okay. So, so let's take you as an example. You've got a passion for nature study. Yes. You know a lot about nature because you've done it for so many years. How do you go about leading children in nature study without, you know, blah, overwhelming yes. them and just dump it, backing up the dump truck and, you know. It is very difficult for those of us who enjoy being in nature to contain our excitement of giving that knowledge to our children mm. because we want them to like it so much. But we have to step back and give them time to explore and make their own connections in nature. It's very difficult, but it's essential to do that. You can still share your knowledge of nature with your child, but do it in small amounts. Give the child the time to connect, make their own connections. If your child asks a question about whatever they're observing and you know something about it, feel free to share something, but don't dump on them. If you don't know, it's okay to say, I don't know, but we can research that later. You can find books, do an internet search. You can also just let it sit for a while and learn what you can. Sometimes even years later, you don't find the answers. And that makes a greater connection than that quick lookup on the Internet to get the answer. Wow. So don't be afraid to say, I don't know. You can share. Obviously, if you have knowledge, share with your child. Just be careful not to dump on them your information. The child wants to know more, go ahead and tell them. But so you're letting the child room. kind of lead, yes. in a sense. Give, okay. give your children room to make their own discoveries and observations because that's where they're going to connect the best. And we all know after a while, if we talk too much, our children tune us out. Oh, yes. And we may think that we're giving them so much information, and isn't that great? 
And all they heard was the first sentence. Mm-hmm. That is true. So it's the same when you're out in nature. Let that, with, was Charlotte called the quiet schooling of nature? Yes, yes. And that's what we're aiming for. So what you said just clicked in a different sense when you talked about treating it like other school subjects. I think every parent has one favorite school subject. It might not be nature. Maybe it's art. Or history. Or music or literature or mm -hmm. poetry. Whatever that parent's favorite subject is, you know, like if, if we're doing a picture study with our children, we don't hold up the picture and immediately tell them everything we know about it. That's true. We let them discover first and then we guide them gently to maybe discover one or two other things, maybe tell them something that they can't figure out just by looking mm -hmm. at it. But those lessons are very short and they are not a, a dump of information. And they're one picture at a time. Yes. You don't bring out everything that your favorite artist has ever created and put it before your child at once. Yes. So if we can take that same principle and put it in with nature study. Yes. That makes all sense in the world. Absolutely. Thank you for that connection. Ding! Little light went off there. Okay, so now what about other parents who this is not their favorite subject? This is not a strong suit for them. Are there resources that can help them? Yes. First, let's address, I'm not an expert. I don't know anything about nature. How do I teach my children? Well, I am sure that there are other subjects that you teach your children that you don't know much about. For some people, that might be math. Others, it might be history or art. But you learn alongside your child. And you sure. grow in your knowledge at the same time your child is at different levels because you have more experiences. But you don't not teach math because you don't know much about it. You know that math is important. Nature study is also important. It's if for nothing else, it gives our children that appreciation, that uh, knowing God through his creation and just seeing the marvels that he has created for us. But when you talk about I, math is not my strong suit or history is not my strong suit, um, they have resources, they have a guide yes. to help them teach that to their children. Mm -hmm. And so many times we think we don't have that guide for nature study. Correct. But you've created a guide that has been very helpful to me. Journaling a year in nature, this gives you ideas of what to look for every week. Throughout the year. In the different seasons. In the different seasons. Yes, and not just go look at a tree or go look at, you know, mushrooms, but what to look for. Just a couple of ideas. It's not overwhelming. No. Different ways to observe different things in nature and just kind of prompts and direction for you so you have an idea. Because how many people who nature is not a friend yet go out and they say, okay, well, there's a tree. I looked at it. Raising my hand. Raising my hand. You, what do I do? I did that. You know I did that. I know. We, we went in the backyard and identified this is an American beech tree. I got the name of it down, yes. Check. The next week, we went back there, and you know what? 
it was still there. And it was still an American beech tree. It was. And I'm standing there going, what do I do with this now? And so then you came and said, well, in the spring you can look for this, and in the fall you can look for this. And, and so that's what's in Journaling a Year in Nature. And you can look at the different features of the tree. That's so all in there, yeah. It's so, all in there. So those who need a guide, there is a guide yes. to help, just as there is a guide to help with history or a guide to help with math. Yes. Excellent. What other resources have, have you recommended for those of us who are nature study challenged? The number one thing that I recommend is that you develop a curiosity for nature. God created, and it's all around us, and we so many times ignore it. Yes. We're not curious about it. We have no enthusiasm for the nature around us. If you can develop even just a little bit of curiosity about what's in nature, your children will catch that. If you have no enthusiasm, that's going to color your child's perception of nature. Mom doesn't like it. Why should I like it? Why is she making me do this when she obviously doesn't want to be out here? We have to be very careful. We all know that our children catch more of our habits that we model. Oh, amen. Than the ones that we try to teach them. And so we need to be careful that we are modeling even just a little bit of curiosity. Yeah, and they'll, it starts they'll small. also catch it if we're faking it. Oh, you know? oh, definitely. So, Our but, children are really good at knowing when we're faking. Yeah. So it's not so. like we have to be over the top faking it. But as you said, even if it, just a little bit. And it's not just, I'm curious if the tree is still there. You know, that's not going to work. But a, a little bit of curiosity about the habits and digging deeper. Right. Or why something is growing the way that it is. Or why, why is there a certain mark on this tree? Mm. Or anything like that. You might not have the answers, but it only takes a moment to investigate. So outside of the curiosity and your own enthusiasm. That's the atmosphere you're creating. Yes. Is that, yeah. Some of the resources that might help you. For me, field guides are up there as number one. We want to know, we want to give a name to what we are seeing. And field guides are an excellent way of doing that. I know today there are ways that you can take a picture and you can immediately get a name for what it is you're looking at. And that can be good sometimes, but it does not give you the added benefits of a field guide. A field guide, you have to search for what, you're look, what you are trying to identify. And as you make that search, you see other things along the way that are similar or are very different, and your brain catalogs those. And those are helpful for you when you're out in the field. So don't miss that opportunity to have that other knowledge that comes with using a field guide. I know we've talked about field guides before on another episode, so we'll leave a link to that in the show notes yes. for people who... You know, it's like, but how do I use a field guide? You'll walk them through it in that episode, correct? Yes. Okay, great, great. 
All right, field guides. And and you talk about what your favorite field guides are, what yes. to look for in a mm-hmm. good field guide. So we'll leave a link to that episode. What other resources do you recommend? Things that children love to use. Magnifying glasses are great for getting those close-up looks. And you can get ones that are have larger lenses in them so that even young children love to use magnifying glasses to look at things. Um, a pocket microscope if you want to see something a little bit more up close. It's not a full microscope, but you can see some things that you cannot see with the naked eye with it. So it's called a pocket microscope. Yes, because That's what it, you would look for. Because it's small and fits in your pocket. Makes sense. Easy to take with you when you're doing nature study. Another thing that can be useful are binoculars. Binoculars are great for um, seeing things that are across the yard. Maybe something that is across a river or a creek that you can't get to. They're great for spotting birds that are way up in the tops of the trees. But you can also use them to look at the moon. Ah. Not the sun. Not not ever the the sun. sun. (laughs) Not the sun, but you can look at the moon with them. They are not as powerful as a telescope, but they are easier to use, and you can see some of the features of the moon. That is a great idea. And I know we've done an episode on how to pick out a good pair of binoculars. Yes. We did that with Doug, so Mm -hmm. we'll leave a link to that episode as well. Great. Any other resources? Well, one thing that is very important is to make sure that when you go out in nature, wherever you go, that you are wearing appropriate clothing and shoes. Oh, yes, shoes. As we were talking about in going out in the rain earlier, I was thinking rain, you know, like a poncho or rain coat, but I didn't even think about the shoes. That can be very important. Well, you might want to send your children out in boots so they can stomp in the puddles and they don't get their their other shoes all squishy and wet because that's not pleasant for anybody. And it saves you time. But, you don't have to clean them then. <laughs> right. But also, you know, if, if you are hiking in the woods, you don't really want to wear sandals. Yeah. You want sturdy shoes that you're not going to stub your toe on a rock that's in the path or something like that. So protect your feet, wear appropriate clothing, wear appropriate shoes. What's the saying about there's no bad weather, just... There's no bad weather, just bad clothing. Yeah, it's just, you can dress appropriately for just about any weather. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. And then other things that you would, um, might like to have, nature journals, so you can record your observations, your children can record theirs. If you have one that models for them, mm-hmm. how they can do this, and they, these are individual things. These are keepsakes. Let your child put in it what he wants to put in it. If he wants to draw, great. Bring pencils, colored pencils, watercolors, whatever he likes to use with that. If he likes to just sketch, that's great. If he doesn't like to draw, maybe he can take a picture with a camera. He can print it out and put it in his nature journal if he likes. He can write down some notes about what he observed. Or There's, you can write it down for him if he can't write If he for can't himself. write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I know we did, an, we did an episode. Well, there's two episodes recently we did yes. on nature journaling. One is if you're not I'm artistic, an artist. <laughs> yes, like, like us. And I did one with Rochelle on how you can improve yes. your artistic abilities with your nature notebook. So we'll yes. leave links to that too. We just got links all over the place here to yes. lots of resources. 
And another way a camera can be useful is sometimes when you're out in nature, you, you see something that you want to put in your nature journal, but it won't sit still. Oh, that is so frustrating. You can't draw it. Yeah. That squirrel is hopping around all over the place, and it won't sit still, or the chipmunk, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Or anything. Take a picture of it. Then you can draw from the picture. If you can't identify it, you don't know what it is, now you have a picture that you can look at and reference when you're looking through your field guides later. That is a great idea, because so. so often... Especially if you're just learning how to sketch and draw, mm -hmm. you really want to take your time because it's not natural for you yet. So you're right. not as fluent. And it's, when people say a quick sketch, it's like, you've never seen my quick sketches. <laughs> you know? So this way, with the picture, you can take your time, as much yes. time as you need. Yes. I love that idea. And, you know, when, if your child does not like to draw and would rather take pictures, challenge that child not just to snap any old picture because nature study is not just about the drawing or the picture that you might take it's about observing and that's true yeah seeing what we can what can you learn in nature yes and so a quick picture might be okay for identifying something later or to draw from because the thing won't sit still but if your child's using pictures, camera, from a camera, to put in his nature journal, challenge him to take them from different angles or to show different features of what he's doing. So, at that, so when he's doing that, he has to observe what it is he's taking a picture of and decide what's going to be best and show it best. Oh, that's a great idea. Wonderful. There's a lot of resources that can help Yes. Parents who are trying to encourage children in nature study. But I think it all comes back to the motivation, the, the being curious. Um, it's almost like having enough respect for what God has made oh, to yes, spend time a, on it. That's a good way to put it. That we're going to take the time to look at it closely. Mm -hmm. Or at least notice it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and encourage our children to do the same. Yes. Great ideas. Thanks, Karen. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of these episodes on Nature Study. We'll leave links in the show notes to all those other episodes we mentioned that will be helpful to you. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll see you next time.